blessed morning, brothers and sisters in Christ, online and on site. The Lord be with you. Yeah, welcome once again to the Wesley 9.30 a.m. service. And uh, it is my privilege and joy to bring you God's Word today. The, the title of my sermon is Waiting Expectantly for His Return. And so let me begin by proclaiming the word from John, chapter 1, verse 14, which says, The Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Don't these words just ring in your ears and resonate in your heart? Yeah. This great proclamation assures us that God, our Father, came into human history through the incarnation of His Son, Jesus Christ, more than 2,000 years ago. The season of Advent begins today till the Sunday before Christmas. Advent is a season of waiting, as we have been reminded as it cultivates our awareness of God's actions, remembering what He has done for us in the past, walking with Him in the present, and trusting in Him for the future. The word Advent is derived from the Latin word Adventus, which means coming or arrival. Advent therefore proclaims the coming of Jesus, whose birth we celebrate every year at Christmas. We are reminded daily of Him who comes to us in word and spirit and who will return in final victory for us. Amen. Amen indeed. So in Advent, we heighten our anticipation of the ultimate fulfillment of the Old Testament promises. When a wolf will lie down with the lamb, death will be swallowed up and every tear will be wiped away. In, a, in this way, Advent reminds us of the larger story of God's redemption plan, redemptive plan, giving us hope, especially during these uncertain times of wars, pain, and suffering. In Advent, we are also awakened to the prophecies of Jesus coming as proclaimed to us during the four Sundays before Christmas. Mary, the mother of Jesus, treasured and pondered the angel's prophecy told to the shepherds of, Je of baby Jesus who had come as a Christ to save the world. And therefore, brothers and sisters in Christ, we too must treasure and ponder in our hearts the prophecies of the Lord's return as our sovereign king to judge the world. In fact, the second coming of Jesus is mentioned 318 times in the New Testament by every anti-writer. It was the consuming interest of the church during its first 300 years of existence, which is the most evangelistic period in church history. Even now, more than 2,000 years later, friends, we are reminded that we should be waiting expectantly for His return. Are you? We will read the first four verses of this passage and the remaining verses during the sermon. Verse 24. But in those days, after that tri tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its sight, its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. 
And when they, and, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. This is the word of God. Mark chapter 13 is commonly called the Olivet Discourse because Jesus taught it as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple in Jerusalem. It contains the prophecies of the destruction of the temple, the end times, and the Lord's return. Interestingly, this discourse is also recorded in other synoptic gospels in Matthew chapter 24 and Luke chapter 21. Now, it is crucial to note that whenever a Bible story appears in all three synoptic Gospels, it is a strong reminder that the story has a special significance for us, which we must pay attention. He who has ears to hear, let him hear, says the Lord. Jesus gave this discourse after one of the disciples said to him of the temple, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And then our Lord responded by predicting the, the destruction of the temple. Once away from the crowds, Peter, James and John, Peter, James, John and David and Andrew asked Jesus privately, Tell us, Lord, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? These questions revealed the misunderstanding the disciples had of Jesus' prophecy of the temple's destruction. They expected the destruction to be a momentous event that would coincide with the Lord's return and the end of the world. Jesus' prediction indeed came to pass 40 years later when the Roman legions in Jerusalem smashed through the fortress tower of Antonio, Antonia into the temple and set it ablaze. According to Josephus, the Roman Jewish historian, a Roman soldier took a torch and threw it against the beautiful hanging wall tapestries in the garden, in the temple. And when they caught fire, the Romans tried to put it out, but to no avail. The fire was so intense, even the stones cracked under the heat and the building, as we know, eventually collapsed. However, the end of the world is not yet, as we are still waiting for the Lord's glorious appearing. Watch out that no one deceives you says Jesus. Jesus saw the false Messiah. Jesus foresaw the Messiah, false Messiah, and prophets would take advantage of the news of wars and natural catastrophes happening around the world and try to deceive everyone, especially Christians like you and I. Friends, you know, it's so natural for us to think that the end has arrived when we hear of these things. Yeah, the wars and the earthquakes and things happening in the Middle East. The truth is, with the rise of every war and natural disaster, there comes an increase in false prophets who say they have the answers. They may even claim that Jesus has returned 
and tell us where to find him. Jesus warned his disciple that then and now, again, such falsehood, and not to be deceived or distracted by them. Why? Many of these predictions through the centuries down to the present time have come and gone, and people are still <laughs> speculating. Yeah, I do a Google search. They're still saying, you know, giving us the, the, the date and time for the future when Jesus will come. But the, the truth of the matter is this. Our fallen world is still standing and speculating when the end will come. But most importantly, we must be mindful that Jesus himself promised he will appear at his return in a spectacular manner. When he comes, no one will doubt the occurrence because it would be something no one has ever seen before, bigger than any Hollywood blockbuster movie. Luke 21 verses 25 to 27 describe the spectacular appearance of Jesus as such. And there will be strange signs in the sun, moon and stars. And here on earth the nations will be in turmoil, perplexed by the roaring seas and strange tides. People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth, for the powers in the heaven will be shaken. And the hope is everyone will see, everyone will see the Son of Man coming on the cloud with power and great glory. Amen. And so with the appearance of signs in the heavens and the worldwide chaos on earth, rest assured, we will certainly not miss the glorious appearing of Jesus when he returns. And so I believe, I believe it will truly be an experience that will blow our minds. And so friends, are you eagerly anticipating seeing Jesus coming in the clouds very soon? Have you been waiting expectantly to see him face to face? How does the prospect of his impending return help you, especially in your time of need? The second coming of Jesus has become very real and personal to me as I enter my senior years. The thought of the Lord's return always gives me the comfort and hope, especially when I minister to and pray for our very old members and those of us who are suffering from debilitating illnesses like cancer and dementia. The scripture tells us our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when, he, when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. I'm reminded with hope that as Jesus, our Lord, glorious appearing, our bodies will be trans transformed to that 
of our resurrected Lord. In other words, at His return, we can be certain we will be given a new body that is free from all diseases. It would be imperishable, perfect, and last forever. Are you still with me? Yeah, if you are with me, can I hear an amen? Thank you so much. Yeah, I was wondering, everybody looking at me. <laughs> All right, now, often when I'm conducting services at the wakes and funerals of beloved members, I would catch a glimpse of Jesus descending from heaven in the clouds with these departed saints. In my mind's eyes, I can see them amongst those in his heavenly welcoming party, ready to usher those of us who are still alive into his kingdom. Brothers and sisters, if we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we must also believe that when he returns, God will bring back with him our beloved family members and friends who have died in Christ. For those of us whose loved ones departed suddenly or tragically, all the more, I pray, this realization would help us grieve with hope, expecting to meet them again in the most spectacular way. Like what I experienced at wakes and funerals, can you also see your mind's eye our dearly departed ones coming again, your father or mother, your spouse, a younger sister or baby brother, or even the late Yusuf Kam, our long-serving worship and music director of Wesley, appearing with broad smiles on the faces. Can you see that? We praise a lot for that. One day, just one day, we will have a great reunion with them and there will be immense gladness and rejoicing. According to the scriptures, this is how this glorious reunion will unfold. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Yes. When the Lord returns, we will all be together again with Him forever. Among the many faithful servants of God who have passed on to glory recently this year, whom I eagerly await to meet again, I would like to pay tribute to two. Both were honorary stewards who served Wesley passionately in various capacities into their senior years. And through their lives, they modeled for us the right spiritual posture while waiting expectantly for the Lord's return. Mrs. 
Nyana Tavatasan was 105 years old when God called her home three weeks ago. I think we can clap, you know, to celebrate her life. You know, as you see in her obituary, God has blessed our beloved sister with many children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. I did a count, 29 of them. And I thank God for that. And of course, loved ones spread over many parts of the world. You know, those of us who knew Mrs. Tavertasen well would testify of her unwavering faith in God, even through times of difficulties and personal loss. In fact, Mrs. Tavertasen continued to serve with gusto well into her 80s, keeping herself busy with the Wesley Floral Fellowship, the Women's Society of Christian Service, Wesley Senior Fellowships, and also solemnizing marriages as a justice of peace. And so let me share a light-hearted story which our dear sister wrote for Wesley's 120th anniversary publication 20 years ago, in her 80s, you know. <laughs> yeah, thank God for that. In her story, Mrs. Tavertasen testified of how God providentially directed her to start Floral Arrangement as a ministry in Wesley through her husband, the late Dr. Arthur Tavertasen. Let me quote her. Quote, If I became involved in doing anything, it is often because of his encouragement, the garden and the floral arrangement for Wesley Church, for example. We used to see people bringing flowers to church and the caretaker would plong them in a bunch into a vase. And then my husband, having seen me arrange flowers from our garden for our house, said, Nyana, surely you can do better than that. So I offered to start a floral arrangement service. Then others began helping me and the group started growing. I never attended any classes but my husband would come on Saturdays after work and with his artistic eye would say, I think something is a little bit too much. That should come up. I think something is missing. You have to put something there. And so by practicing and practicing, I improved. Now, we are more than 60 members in the Floral Fellowship. Unquote. Today, members of 45 members of our Wesley Floral Fellowship carry on the legacy of Mrs. Tavatasan to put together floral offerings for the sanctuary every week. Do you see them? Where? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank God we see them. <laughs> These are the heroes behind the scene we, we cannot see. We only see the flowers <laughs> that they put together. And we thank God for them. Now, yeah, of course, these are the creative expressions of, of their love for God as they avail themselves to serve. Now, on a more serious note, if you find yourself drawn to the floral arrangements, perhaps, like Mrs. Tavertasen, God is directing you to this fellowship. What do you need? 
the criteria. <laughs> you, are, you need a willing and humble heart to learn from the team and to keep practicing, practicing, and practicing. And so find out more about Wesley Floral Fellowship by checking out this article published recently on 30th October in Wesley Tidings. And I personally think this is God's providential way you know, to honour our dear sister, the late Mrs. Niana Tavatasen, for the work that she started. Yeah, and for that, yeah, we thank God. The second honorary steward I eagerly look forward to see when Jesus returns is Dr. Oliver Sid Benghen. How many of us know Dr. Sid? I would, I would think many of us would know him. Dr. Sid returned home to the Lord just two weeks before Mrs. Tavitasen. He was 86 years old. He was a true blue Wesleyan, as he proudly called himself. He was born of Christian parents, baptized as a baby in Wesley, and received into membership as a young adult. His father, Mr. Charles Sid, started the Usher Ministry in Wesley, and Dr. Sid was trained as a, at a young age to help out at this ministry, learning to greet people and ushering them into to their seats. And those of us who know Dr. Sid's family will know that the entire family praises God with their voices and their music making. His late wife, Mrs. Sid Suk Ching, trained her two sons and every grandchild that came along in singing and playing musical instruments. And Dr. Sid himself sang with the Wesley Choirs for more than 60 years, one of which was the Dawn Breakers. At, at 67, Dr. Sid stepped down as chairman of the Prayer and Praise Committee to give way to younger leadership succession. He had also served on the Pastor Parish Relations Committee. You know, on top of his many career achievements and involvement in church, an important thing Dr. Sid did was to prioritize time to mentor young people, especially his own children and grandchildren. Together with his wife, the godly couple ensured that their family was brought up in the fear of the Lord as they strongly believe, yeah, they strongly believe that Jesus, if Jesus is not central in the lives of the younger people, they will turn to other gods. And as parents, they modeled godliness for the next generation by being faithful in serving the Lord every Sunday. Their sons attended Sunday school every week so that they would grow and mature in their faith alongside their cohorts. In fact, we know one of Dr. Sid's mentees very well. He is none other than our multi-talented and God-fearing pastor in charge, the Reverend Raymond Fong. Yeah. <laughs> Let us affirm him. Yeah. Furthermore, I feel very privileged to befriend Dr. Sid not long after I came to Wesley. You know, I must tell you that before I got to know him personally, I was quite 
intimidated by his great stature in the academic circle as an associate professor of English at the National Institute of Education and Nanyang Technological Institute. I wondered what he would say about my sermon. <laughs> Particularly my grammar and pronunciation if I were to meet him one day. God heard my prayer that day came on September 11, 2021 when Dr. Sid invited my wife and I for lunch at the Metropolitan YMCA, one of his favourite haunts where he often ate with his friends. When we arrived, Dr. Sid was already seated at the table patiently waiting for us. He asked us to call him Oliver. When I asked Dr. Sid, how should I address you? We quickly warm up to him as he was very forthcoming in sharing his life, especially on how the Holy Spirit touched him and empowered him for ministry. He listened intently to us when it was our turn to share. Our conversation was edifying. The food was delicious, especially the curry fish head, which was the signature dish of the cafe, and the fellowship was warm. Before we knew it, it was time to leave. And I was relieved. Then my new found friend, the English professor, did not critique any of my sermons that day. Instead, he shared his life journey and he presented us with an anthology of his poems entitled once, personally, uh, signed by him. Thereafter, Oliver kept in touch with me through WhatsApp messages. He was always warm and encouraging. I'm indeed very blessed to have known him as a friend and felt his full support of my ministry. Let me share an excerpt of Oliver's poem that was read at his 85th birthday celebration last year. It is entitled, Faith. Faith is the first fruit of trust conceived in the matrix from the seed of enduring truth and time-tried knowledge. Faith is the hand claps of a child stumbling along a murky alley. Faith is a father at the terminal waving off a child as she flies into strange land. May the father increase the measure of our faith as we step each day into the dark valley of uncertainty. Amen. Oh, as, as the words of the, of the poem linger in our mind, we are reminded to wait expectantly with faith for our Lord's return and eagerly long to see our loved ones again. Then, we may also ask the same questions the disciples asked of Jesus. What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. Isn't it true? Uh, many of us are still asking that. Jesus, my friends, will not want us to be caught up in the prophecy of the future that we neglect the responsibilities of the present. And therefore, he concluded the Olivia discourse with two parables. The first parable of the fig tree emphasizes the knowledge that is coming 
is near. The second parable stresses the uncertainty of the time of his return. And therefore, let me just uh, read two, uh, three verses of, of, um, of the last uh, few verses. 32 says, But considering that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Verse 20, 35, Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. Most of the trees in the part of the world where Jesus lived are evergreen. They do not change dramatically with the seasons, but remain green throughout the year. For example, the olive tree. However, the fig is deciduous. That is, it sheds its leaves when the weather turns chilly. In spring, the fig is one of the slowest to put out new shoots. So much so that its blossoming signals the coming of summer. You know, in Mark chapter 11, we read about Jesus cursing a fig tree and giving the disciples a lesson about the power of faith through its instantaneous withering. The fig tree in this parable, however, does not wither, but blossoms. And what does it mean? It heralds a sign of hope. And so we may think of the withered tree as the destruction of the temple religion that came crashing down when the temple was burned to the ground. Conversely, the blossoming fig is seen as the son of man who brings new life to all who will look to him for salvation. And so through the first parable, Jesus assured us that when we see the signs in the heavens and the worldwide chaos on earth, we can be hopeful that His glorious appearance is near. When we see these signs coming to pass, do we let our fear assail us as we run around looking for Jesus? No. We are to stand firm on these words and expect Him to appear in the clouds with His welcoming party. Jesus says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And so friends, when Jesus said heaven and earth, He was referring to all of creation. And in fact, His words were derived from the Old Testament, from Isaiah 51 verse 6 and Isaiah 40 verse 8, respectively. And the Word of God says this to us, The heavens shall vanish away like smoke. The earth will wear out like a garment. But the Word of God, our Lord, stands forever. So this is a bold claim which has withstood the, the test of time. Kingdoms have risen and win. Tyrants have come and gone. Many have tried everything in their power to eliminate Christianity. But guess what? People from all walks of life and nations still look to Jesus as Lord. 
This is the assurance that we can always trust what Jesus tells us. Be on guard. Keep awake lest he comes suddenly and find you asleep. Through the second parable, Jesus reiterated that no one really knows when he will return. Not the angels in heaven, nor himself, only the Father knows. And so friends, if the day and time of his return is unknown, then trust what Jesus said. Yeah, his words never pass away. No one of us, you know, can expect a warning of his arrival. And what then do we do? It's really to be watchful and be prepared at all times. Are you? Now let me end with the following questions for our reflection as we do that. If Christ should come today, and it may be that he will, would the thing that I'll be doing set the master's heart a thrill? If Christ should come today and find that I had not told one soul about my heavenly friend whose blessings all my way attend, what would he say? If Christ should come today, would he find me loyal, true, in my place, with my influence, doing what he would have me do? If Christ should come today, if he came just at 11, would he find me in his service singing praises unto heaven? And so even as you contemplate this poem, uh, which is in our uh, sermon questions note, I do think about, you know, what the invitation that uh, earlier on that, 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 uh, the church, uh, have for us with regards to the, you know, signing up for the strangely warm retreat with regards to, um, the, the church that, that continued, the things that the church continued to do and don't hesitate. Respond accordingly. Let us pray. Eternal God, you taught us that night is far spent and the day is at hand. Keep us awake and alert, watching for your kingdom and make us strong in faith. Be diligent in the task you have called us to do so that if Christ should come today with power and glory to judge the earth, we may joyfully give you praise who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.